Welcome back to the podcast. It's Andre. I'm here with Kylie Trevilian. And Kylie, you, you presented about three or four different things today, but one of them was the Dawn study. So an RCT of guided self-help for women with depression. This isn't yet published, but tell us a bit, whet our appetites for this for when it does come out soon. Sure. So one of the things that we were thinking about when putting this programme together was what was missing currently within usual practice. And so for women that may have mild to moderate symptoms of depression, so they wouldn't need to be supported by secondary mental health services where would they get help and whether the help that they would get would be tailored for the specific concerns that they might have in pregnancy so what we know from usual practice is that a lot of women would go to improving access to psychological therapy services which are a kind of universal program of support that both men and women can access if they experience common mental health concerns like depression and anxiety and they these programs are often using cognitive behavioral therapy models that are delivered in a guided form so people often have like workbooks that they go through with a practitioner that helps them to work through the manuals in a way that helps to improve their symptoms And that's been shown to be quite effective and this is the standard form of treatment that people can receive and women would receive in the pregnancy period if they reported these symptoms. But what we were mindful of is the current treatments didn't really focus on the specific concerns or worries that may present in pregnancy. So as part of this trial we developed and adapted the current models to really make it pregnancy specific and then we ended up recruiting and randomizing 53 women looking at particularly questions around what do women think about this adapted intervention does it seem suitable for them would they be able to complete it in pregnancy because it's a very busy time there's lots of appointments there's lots of physical changes in women's bodies and would the intervention gives some suggestion that it may also in the same way as the standard treatments be improving symptoms of depression so that's what we wanted to do with the piece of work and hopefully the paper will be published towards the end of the year in which case then we'll be able to talk about all of those questions so were we able to deliver it did women like it and was it showing some indication of having a positive effect I'm covering an IAPT conference in a couple of days' time and I think the therapists who go there are going to be really interested in how you adapted the intervention. Can you say a bit about that? Yes, so my colleague uh, Jill Dominey, Dr Jill Dominey, is a clinical psychologist. She, first of all, put together a, an expert panel of perinatal specialists. So they were people who may work in psychiatry, a lot of perinatal psychologists, people that are also working in IAPT services who might have a perinatal specialty or interest. And also we worked, one of our collaborators, Jeanette Milgram, who's based in Australia, has done an awful lot of work there in a, with this, you know, it's a different setup, but with a, a similar level of providing CBT-based interventions for mild to moderate depression through their parenting institute. And we also worked, looked at what they have done and tried to sort of adapt the models that way. So there was an expert reference group that helped guide Jill in thinking about what needs to be in the, the manual. And then she did some work with piloting this with 10 women who had symptoms of depression and were pregnant and spent time with them delivering the manual, getting feedback, but finding out from the women if the language is right, if this is the kind of, if it's tapping into the topics and worries that women are interested in. And so from that pilot work, we did further adaptations to get it ready for the trial. 
and that guide's now freely available if people want to download it and have a look. Yes, that is freely available. So if you look on the Sectional Women's Mental Health website, people can can find it that way um, and approach our uh, administrative team to get a download of that support. Great. So you also presented some other work looking at acceptability of asking about mental health in antenatal booking appointments. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so what we know is that for women across England and Wales, when they have their first appointment with the midwife when they're in their early pregnancy, that they will be asked at least two questions around depression. So are they currently feeling down, depressed or hopeless and having a loss of interest and pleasure in usual things? Now this is widely asked of all women, but what we don't know is really whether women find those questions acceptable. Do they, do they find that okay to be asked by the midwife and does it encourage them to disclose any of this, those feelings that they may be having? So as part of our Wendy research study, we did some very brief semi-structured interviews with women to ask them what they thought about these questions. And what we, f- we were able to do is, is, because we sampled such a huge number of women, about 500, we were able to, for, for this qualitative analysis, to select a very purposive sample of women. So we, we've done the analysis on 52 cases and they were of women who are reporting a range of mental health disorders in early pregnancy, women with a range of different ethnic backgrounds, women who may have had children or might be their first child, women that also may have had histories of abuse, which we know are associated with problem, mental health problems in pregnancy. And we then had a, examined what the experiences were for these women and whether there were differences between them. What we found is that generally women feel that it's important for midwives to be asking about mental health in early pregnancy because women understand that this is a period of time where there's a lot of high emotions, lots of things changing in women's lives and it can, you know, be a period of time where it's feeling, there's creating a lot of worries and concerns for women. What they felt is also interesting in doing this in the midwifery setting is that generally most of the care in that context is focused on physical health so it's quite important to have these questions to help women think about you know oh yes my midwife's also interested in how I'm feeling emotionally and and that is important but for women who had a history of abuse so interpersonal abuse so violence in their history women who are reporting either current or past mental health problems they found it more difficult to respond to these questions it wasn't that they didn't think it should be asked, but for many they found that these questions were quite triggering because it made them think about, well, actually, how am I feeling emotionally? And it was the first time that it forced them to really reflect on where they were feeling. And that, for some, was quite triggering. We also found that a kind of key important point to these questions is how skilled the midwives were in asking these questions using very specific language so as I mentioned down depressed uh, feeling down or hopeless or loss of interest by having real specificity around those questions it really helped women be clear about what specific feelings and behaviors were being asked about so some women said to us well you know, my midwife asked me, how are things or how am I feeling? And I instantly started assuming it was about my physical health. So I didn't think they were asking me about my emotional well-being. And linked to that, they talked about how they wanted midwives, if they're going to ask them, to be knowledgeable about this topic. 
So if women made a disclosure, that they would have responses that would be normalising and that would be non-judgmental. So for women that received that kind of response, they told us how empowering it felt for them to have a response that put it into context. For example, we know many women experience mental health problems in early pregnancy or in the pregnancy period, and that helped normalise their experiences. They didn't feel so alone in being the only one who was feeling unhappy. And they also really wanted midwives to know about sources of support for them. So if they made a disclosure, could they tell them you know, what's available in their local service that they could you know, go to if they wanted to seek support or how could the midwife help them in, in managing those symptoms and some of them got that but some of them didn't, they felt that the midwives didn't really have that knowledge and confidence and that affected whether they felt able to continue those discussions in the pregnancy context and then finally related to this wider discussion about how the, these questions are working in context a key thing that a number of women brought up is that these questions are asked in that first antenatal booking appointment and in that appointment there are many different topics and discussions that the midwife has to have with women you know alongside taking bloods weighing taking other measurements that sometimes women felt that there wasn't really enough time in that appointment to to really have an open discussion about symptoms of emotional well-being that even if they made a disclosure in response to those questions there wasn't sufficient time for them to really talk to their midwife about how they were feeling and that was particularly for the case among women who had previous experiences of mental health problems who may not currently be feeling like they're they're having these worries but they really still wanted an opportunity to talk about things that happened to them in the past and the potential that that might surface again at some point in their pregnancy and the constraints of that appointment in getting a lot of these assessments done meant that they didn't really feel there was scope to do that. This work really resonates with me as a father of three young kids I've been to a lot of antenatal appointments over (laughs) recent years and my experience of talking about mental health with consultants and midwives and health visitors is really massively varied Mm. and so we've definitely got a population of professionals out there who some are comfortable and some really find it very difficult. Yeah. What do you think we can do to improve those levels of knowledge and confidence? Yeah, I think one of the things that's important in any new considerations about guidelines for staff in kind of maybe screening or identification of issues is to not just think about, right, we've given you the questions, off you go. It's thinking about what are the resources that staff need to do this well. So, you know, I know anecdotally from some friends who are midwives that they may not have had much training around issues of mental health and then they've just been asked to go out and implement and ask these questions of women and they're a bit nervous about what to do if someone makes a disclosure to them, how they would deal with it. They're not necessarily feeling very confident in knowing how to have, how to respond in a way that's sensitive. So I think there's a lot of more thought needs to be given in what training resources staff might need and also how to build their confidence confidence in addressing these issues so that might be alongside having general education around these issues but getting helping them to be aware of what local services are available if someone makes a disclosure where they could refer people to so then staff would feel much more confident when they're asking these questions to know how they can respond and I think generally from other work I've done in the context of inquiry around domestic violence 
most professionals acknowledge that these issues are really important and they they see it in the room but they want to have the confidence to know how to support people so if they're asking they really want to know how to help and without having those tools they then feel less able to start those discussions so the system needs to change and staff training maybe needs to put in place but what would you say to individual midwives or health visitors who are thinking I'm not confident how can they improve yeah I think one of the things to bear in mind is is thinking about this piece of work what is it that women want often you know there's a lot of stigma and shame around issues of mental health and one of the key most important things is having a space that's safe for people to talk about that and that they feel listened to so it doesn't always have to be uh, an action or developing a plan to respond it might just be given a safe space for people to know that they can come and talk about how they're feeling with someone who will listen actively and who will be non-judgmental that in itself can be incredibly powerful so I think being confident to be open to listening to people's experiences but I think also what what can be done if just without those resources is to for staff to look proactively within their community to figure out what's there so we talked about the improving access to psychological therapy services they're available in 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 almost all areas if not all so that could be one resource that midwives make themselves knowledgeable about and they could talk to people about it because you can self-refer to those services it would also be worth them having a look at other community-based res- support that they might have in their local area. So there's often like charities like Mind who may offer support in these things. And it may be that at this point people just want information. So, for example, the Mind website also has a lot of good resources for people just to learn more. So I think they will be the key things, just you know, small steps. One, being open to have these discussions. And coming back to the other finding would be about normalising these experiences. I think that's a big thing for women, not feeling like they're the only one who's not having a happy pregnancy, that actually we know that you know, this affects many women in pregnancy. And even just a response saying, this is common, we see this a lot, can be really reassuring. Mm-hmm.